Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to everything Southampton FC. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. Joining me is my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you? I've had better Sundays, Pat, but we'll get there. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that, to be honest. Um, mixed week, mixed week, really. Double header against Wolves. Uh, we are chatting here after an unwanted club record, six consecutive league defeats for Southampton after Sunday's 2-1 home loss to Wolves, the second of our double header against the Black Country side. Danny Ings had put us ahead in stunning fashion with his ninth of the season, but another collapse saw us throw away the three points. It was another VAR controversy that let them back into the game, which we'll come on to, obviously, before a bit of individual brilliance from Pedro Neto completed the turnaround for Wolves but a tepid, spineless second-half display from us. We can and we will point to that handball decision as the turning point, but we must also look at the manager and look at the players too. You don't lose six straight games through bad luck alone. And on Sunday, Ralph and the players had an absolute stinker in that second half. Um, Jack, coming coming straight at it, basically, where are you laying the majority of the blame for that result? The manager, the players... The referee and decisions, combination of all three? Combination of all three, but I'm going to have to say the players would take should take the majority of the blame. I think that second half was not good enough. You're going to get, well, I mean, we'll get onto those decisions and they were shambolic how Wolves got a penalty and we didn't get a penalty and they did ultimately change the game. But I think if you take those decisions away, that second half was was genuinely awful. We did We let Wolves get back into the game and let's not forget that this is a very, very poor Wolves side with low on confidence. And we made them, you know, Pedro Neto is a great player, but gave him too much space and, you know, allowed them to terrorise us and just made it so, so easy. And it just seemed like, again, we'll probably get onto the formation and maybe this is where Ralph should take a little bit of the blame in my eyes, is that we seem to not really have a plan B. And I know Southampton fans talk about this a lot, but when we switch to three at the back or five at the back or however you want to look at it, it just seems like we've, you know, it doesn't look like we've worked on it too much and the players don't look comfortable. And you've got Yannick Vestergaard bobbing forward. You've got Salasu filling in at left centre-back. You've got, I'm not sure who was playing right, Gineppa at right wing-back. And I'm sorry, he's not had the best season, but I do feel sorry for the lad when you've, he's been brought in. You know, it's his first prop. We had his injury hit season last year, but it's his first proper season in England and he's been makeshift right wing-back and, it's impossible yeah. for him to show any of his strengths when he's on the back foot constantly. So I put a bit of brain blame on Ralph for that. And then the refereeing decisions, yeah, like I said, changed the game and shambolic. Gineppo's an easy target because he had that absolute horror foul throw, which is unforgivable. <laughs> but you make a great point. Like, what do we expect him to do? He's playing right wing back. Like, it's like, it's ridiculous. It's um, ridiculous. His, his his bits of brilliance last season were, you know, as an attacking midfielder where he box. should be the, in the box. The goals against Brighton, the goal even this season where he created the yard, I think it was against West Brom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so those kind of brilliance, bits of brilliance come from when he's further forward and he doesn't have that responsibility of thinking, I've got to track back, I've got to track back. So that's probably, I bet he's not done that in his whole career and he's being asked to do that in the Premier League now. So we came into this match, um, obviously we, we'd have five straight defeats, but the little the little boost with the Thursday FA Cup victory over Wolves, that was a much changed Wolves team. And I wanted to ask for your opinion on it because Wolves made six changes for that FA Cup tie. Obviously, we went pretty much full strength. Um, 
differing priorities from from Ralph and from Nuno. Ralph obviously sees the cup run as um, as massive for us, and it is. And I think we've given him credit for taking the cup seriously because in a season where we look to be mid-table, um, like it's nice to have the opportunity to go to Wembley. Wolves had Connor Cody, William Jose, Rui Patricio, Pedro Neto, uh, Traore and Semedo returning on Sunday. We obviously had the same situation in the FA Cup when we played and beat Arsenal. And that was a much-changed team. They had no Aubameyang. Uh, Saka was on the bench. Party was on the bench. Louise was on the bench. There was no Emil Smith-Rowe. And a lot of those players returned for the following game and beat us 3-1. And the same really has happened again with Wolves. We beat a much-changed team in the FA Cup. They bring some of their big guns back and they beat us at St. Mary's in the league. Are you on board still, even with the defeats in the league? Are you still on board with Ralph taking it so seriously? Because we're playing all of our main players and then they're being asked three days later to play in the league. And you could have predicted it before the game that we would have tied in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a difficult one. But I accept, I accepted the Arsenal one a bit more than this one. I think we played a very strong team against Arsenal in the Cup got a brilliant win and in the league it was a bit too much and they, their upgrade on their first team was bigger than what Wolves' upgrade was from Thursday to Sunday, I think. So, although we did play a strong team and I fully back that because I think we're, hopefully we're safe. We're on 29 points. We're not picking up any any points anytime soon. It doesn't look like, but hopefully we're, we've got enough points on the board to to keep us away from relegation zone. And I think that was justified playing a strong team on Thursday because we've got a brilliant draw in the FA Cup and we could go to Wembley potentially. However, it's not good enough to lose at home to Wolves. And after we lost 9-0 against Man United, if you told me that we were going to go to St. James's Park and lose and then lose at home to Wolves, I'd be very, very shocked because that's not the reaction you want after a humiliation like that. So, yeah. Not not happy at all to be losing games against teams like Wolves at home. I think that is that really is shocking, and players and managers need to take a long hard look at themselves. Definitely. So the big talking point was the two handball decisions in the second half. We were one nil up at half time. Played pretty well. Ings obviously scoring a peach of a volley. We're looking pretty good at half time, but that handball decision, Ryan Bertrand hitting him on the arm, uh, referee Graham. Scott pointing to the spot. It went to VAR and they confirmed it. That was tough to take because he smashed it at him from about three yards away. At different points this season in the Premier League, that's been a different outcome. Early on in the season, it was a penalty. Then it seemed like midway through the season, they changed their mind and it was no longer a penalty. And now it seems to be a penalty again. Um, It's just the inconsistency is baffling and frustrating um, especially when you go up the other end two or three minutes later two or three minutes later and Dendonka the ball strikes him on the arm all of our players appeal for it it was the quickest VAR check in history <laughs> uh, Graham Scott telling the players almost within 10 seconds that he's checked it and it's not a it's not a spot kick can you try and pick out the difference between why Bertrand's was given and why Ben Donkers wasn't. We'll just start on a little bit of a positive. You mentioned the first half and I think we should talk about that a little bit because we did play some brilliant football there and it was a bit, it was the Southampton of old when we were comfortable on the ball and we were picking our chances to, to go at wall. So that was, 
promising and encouraging from the awful performances of late. Um, on that, yeah, that second, the Dendonka penalty, I couldn't believe it because the camera went to Graham Scott and you could visibly see him go, they checked it, no penalty. And I was expecting for the replay to come and maybe it hit him on the shoulder or catch him on the neck or on the head. And then I showed the replay and I was like, surely not. It's like hit his elbow or his forearm. Yeah. I'm thinking, how have they checked that so quick and come to that conclusion? But I completely agree with you in terms of it's hard enough watching Saints at the moment and watching these performances come in that they're just not good enough but it makes it so much harder to take when these decisions are going against us that like you said two or three months ago that's not a penalty five months ago it is a penalty now it is a penalty it's just you can't you can't make it up like Arsenal game is on at the moment at the moment like while we're recording and there's some decisions there that are going on that are baffling that wouldn't have happened a few months ago so yeah it's difficult it's it's like they're the interpretations of the handball rule have changed three or four times in the course of a season. Um, and it's like, we obviously, the Matty Cash one went against us again, against Aston Villa. And it's so like, how can you look at that and say that's not a handball when Stuart Armstrong's taken a shot that's going in, basically, and has hit his arm and blocked it. And then you look at Ryan Bertrand's one and he's smashed at him from the edge of the box. And Ryan Bertrand standing just inside the box from about three yards away. It hit his, it's hit his arm. But if we're not giving some and we are giving others, it's just uh, it's just incredibly frustrating. A, a massive difference is that Ryan Bertrand's turning. And yeah. in the Matty Cash one, he's, he's front he's and saving on. it. He's saving it. He's literally looking down at his arm. Ryan Bertrand's turned his head. Not great defending, but he's turned his head. And it's hit him when yeah. he's not even looking. So if, if, you, if you showed, if you watched those two clips and you had to decide which one was a penny and which one was not, I think every single person that has watched football before would say the Matty Cash one was a stonewall penalty and they've got it the wrong way around. So, Just um, Ralph's take on it uh, after the game. He said, for me, both the penalty, both the penalties are not penalties. And I agree with him there. Like in an ideal world, neither of them would have been given. I don't, I don't think that Ryan Bertrand's was handball. And I also don't think Dundonka's was handball, but to give one and not give the other, it just, especially when, obviously, when it goes against you, it's extremely tough to take. So yeah, that was... he looked a bit lost. He looked a bit lost. I don't know about what you thought about his post-match, but he didn't. He didn't look the Ralph Fasanuto, which is usually composed and speaking about the game. He was very much his head was on those decisions and didn't seem happy at all. Well, I mean, because <laughs> as much as we talk about him and as much as we like kind of eulogise about him and, and how like lucky we are to have him. He has overseen two 9-0 defeats and a club record six consecutive losses. Yeah, (laughs) so it's like those are really stains on his record. As much as we enjoy watching him coach us and we enjoy having him at the club and for all the highs that we've had, the highs have been high, but the lows have been extremely low as well. And I think that's that's the roller coaster that we've been on with with Hassan Hutton as manager. Um, And at the moment... It's just, it's a real luck. Um, you mentioned the points that are on the board. It's kind of funny that you, I was just thinking about it before we press record. It's like, if we'd been sitting here with what, 23 games played, 24 games played with 29 points, at the moment we're feeling incredibly low because we've come off the back of six consecutive defeats. But it all depends on like when you pick up those points. We could have had a shocking start to the season and be starting to pick up points now and be in this position where we're basically 14 points clear of 18 and be feeling pretty good. But because we had the great start to the season and now we're on this terrible run, 
you just feel like everything's going against you and you feel like it's shit and Ralph's in danger of getting a sack or Ralph's in danger of walking. But if you just flip that round, it, it really does like a lot, a lot is based on when those points have come and the feelings that you feel when you, when you get those points, the highs that we were on in kind of November time when we're top of the league and thinking about European place, like ultimately our team is not that good. I don't think any like realistic Saints fan thought that our team was that good, but it just gives you that hope that maybe we could go on a, on a run and, and you never know. But our team ultimately is a mid-table team. And at, at the moment, we're on a really poor run, which is kind of relegation form. But over the course of the season, it's balancing out, I think. And it's just hard at the moment because we've got all of these decisions going against us. Did you want to kind of go through... Do you want to go through those decisions? Do we want to kind of... <laughs> well, in recent weeks. In recent <laughs> yeah, weeks. Well, in recent yeah. weeks. Just really, um, yeah, if we're not depressed enough, you're going to rattle off the VAR and refereeing decisions that have gone against us. Well, yeah, I just saw this quite depressing tweet after the game that just went through a few of the calls that have gone against us in recent weeks. Just to sum it up. So it's the cash penalty against Villa, the Romeo goal against Villa that was chalked off the slight push on Martinez, Ings goal against Villa, where his sleeve was offside. Adams' goal against United, where his knee was offside. Bednarak penalty against United. Bednarak red against United, which luckily got overturned. And then the two today, the Bertrand penalty and the Denonga penalty. So it's not great. It is not great. So one thing I did thought was quite noteworthy. Everyone talks about when Romeo gets booked, how much that affects Southampton because he's not the same midfielder and he wasn't on his game today. I don't think he was quite sloppy, but he got booked quite early on. And the equaliser, well, the penalty incident came. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was Traore on the left-hand side just dancing through quite a few players. And it mm-hmm. just, it reminded me of when we went to Arsenal and it was Saka who danced through a few players and Romeo was on a booking again at that point. And it's those early bookings that means that Romeo just has to stand off. And they, he did that again today. He stood off against Traore, flicked through, passed, and then they got the penalty. So it's those small little moments of just, yeah. You know, when players uh, lose their head, it's just disappointing. I, I think that's a great point because there was a few moments in that second half where Neto and Traore had obviously been told by Nuno to come a bit more narrow. Um, they'd been like completely out of the game in the first half, just on the touchline. They came a bit more narrow and because Romeo was on that booking, he couldn't touch them and they would just turn and run at our back four and, and they looked a lot more dangerous because of that. But the thing about the Romeo booking was it was such a bad yellow card. Like he is, he's... We can laugh and joke about like him like, sl- like being a bit of an enforcer in there and hammering hammering players and making big tackles. But some of the decisions that he makes are just like... Brainless. It's gone moments. And Gian Moutinho is the slowest player on the pitch. There is no counter-attack in the world. where like Moutinho kicked it about 15 yards on and Romeo's just come in and body-checked him to stop the, mm. to stop the counter-attack. And it's like, okay, I understand that. If it's Adam Traore... And he's, he's away. But Gian Moutinho is fucking 35 years old. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. And he, and he just barged him over. And it's like the easiest yellow card you've ever seen for Graham Scott. And it's just like, that is so frustrating because I think you make a great point. Like, I think that ultimately played a really important role in, in, what, they were, in what Wolves were able to do in that second half because we have a midfielder in there that's not, not able to make a tackle. Um, and we have a bench where Ralph's not able to change it with no Diallo. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was really, really costly. Anyway, more <laughs> to go on to uh, second half collapses uh, happening with kind of worrying frequency 
Um, second half performance is generally being being dreadful. Wolves are a second half team. We knew that going into the game. We knew at 1-0 at halftime, the game was far from over because of what had happened, the changes that they made three days ago. And, and they were always likely to pose more of a threat in that second half. Um, a stat here for you. We've conceded 17 goals this season in the last 30 minutes of games. Only, I think, Palace, West Brom and Newcastle have conceded as many as us. Um, we've con- we've dropped 10 points from winning positions in our last four league games against Wolves. Over the last two seasons, we've been winning against them twice, winning today, and we were 2-0 up against them last season, lost both games. And in the other games, we were 1-0 up in both games, drew 1-1. So we've thrown away 10 points over two seasons against one club. That is just absolutely crazy. I think it's the most for a, for a single team versus another opponent over that time. Nobody's dropped more points against a single oppo- opponent. It's And it's not just Wolves. It goes across the board. I think we've, we've, we've said the stat before that we've dropped the most points from winning positions over, I think it's over since Ralph um, took over as manager. What is, what is the problem? Because again, we conceded in the 66th minute with Neto. I mean, good goal, but again, weak defending. It is the mentality of the team. If I was a betting man, I think I'd make a fortune of Samson going a goal ahead and just lumping on the other team because it seems to happen every single week. But I think it, you have to question the mentality. It seems like that decision goes against us. The Bertrand handball goes against us and our players just drop their heads. Rather, yeah. Maybe it's a leadership thing. I don't know. Obviously, James Ward-Prowse is the captain and he's one of our best players. But I don't really see anyone on that pitch really you know, galvanising the team and telling them to keep their shape and keep their heads because it's an important 10 minutes and we'll build ourselves back into the game, which just mm-hmm. seemed to crumble. And, you know, I don't, I'm just looking across the pitch and trying to think who are those players that are going to, are really going to lead it. Jose Fonte was a key one, wasn't he, back in the day where, you know, he divided opinion, but you, when he was on the pitch, you knew that it, things were going to be organised and he'd be pulling defenders yeah. into shape. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is, but what do you think? Something to do with mentality? I think it, I think it is mentality. I think it partly comes down to Ralph's style of management. I think, again, we've, we, we spoke after the Newcastle game and that second half performance, I mean, we didn't, we didn't collapse. We just didn't create anything. And up against 10 men for the majority of the second half and up against nine men for the final 15 minutes, it's just like really sluggish and short of ideas and we were again today like we conceded that goal we go 2-1 down at home there's about 30 minutes to play we didn't really create much we had two two opportunities for Che Adams one of them one of them was offside um we end the game again like we did at Newcastle with Yannick Vestergaard up front and just James Will Prowse 60 yards pumping balls up to him and it's just like we just completely abandon our game plan and when you say there's no plan b it's like there is no plan b it's just plan A and then panic, basically. Mm. Um, and when we panic, we we look open, we look... Wolves could have easily scored a third today. Um, the worrying thing for me, again, uh, amongst lots of different worrying things, is the fact that now on this run, six, six league defeats, there hasn't been a good performance in any of them. There's nothing you can point to and say, we played well there, we looked, positive. We, looked, we looked okay. Maybe that Leicester game where we had a scratch side out, we had lots of injuries, suspensions, and we lost 2-0. They're one of the three or four best teams in the league. But then we got pretty handily beaten by Arsenal at home. We lost to Villa at home. We deserved a point, but nothing more. We got beat 9-0 by United. 
We lost to Newcastle. We were playing with men down for the second half. And then today, like the performance was poor. Um, we obviously, we won the FA Cup game and that's great. We're in the quarterfinals there. That's something to look forward to. But what worries me about these league games is there's not much I can point to and say we did this well. Yeah, I agree. If we didn't have that FA Cup win on Thursday, this would be... Well, I think that was huge for Ralph, really, to get that to get that win because we're on such an awful run and the whole club needed that little bit of cut run. But apart from that, I agree with you. I can't pick out any performance over the last month or so that's been, that's encouraging, that's encouraging. There were parts of the first half today that was encouraging, but if you look at the game in, in, in general, it just wasn't good enough. Uh, um, the longer the run goes on, and we've, we, have, we haven't got easy games coming up, we've got Chelsea, Leeds and Everton. Um, the longer this run goes on, the more and more questions will be asked about Ralph and deservedly so really, if you're losing games, those questions deserve to come. Uh, still fully back him, but I do want to ask a question of you. To what extent do you think that we're seeing him panic a little bit in these games and we're pa- and seeing panicking a little bit with this run that we're on? Because we've already mentioned some of the things that we're seeing. This The switch all of a sudden that happened in the Newcastle game to three at the back. I mean, you could make an argument that that's been forced on him and again, kind of forced on him today by the injury to Kyle Walker-Peters. He has to bring on a centre-back because we have no right-backs, partly, well, fully our own fault for letting Valerie go and not bring anybody else in. But we have no option really there. So he brings on Salisu and goes three at the back. And then we end the game with Yannick Vestergaard up front. Those aren't the moves of a manager that is kind of thinking through options and tactics and making tweaks to a team. That's a manager to me that's kind of thinking, oh God, like where where's a goal going to come from? I'm just going to stick our six foot six defender up front. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fully backing Ralph at this point. I think he's the right man for the job and he's the best manager we've had for a long time. But you hit the nail on the head earlier and you're saying the highs have been great, but the lows have been really low when, and that, that's like the journey that we're on at the moment. I think it's an element of massive misfortune with players getting injured and, you know, key players getting injured in, in areas that we just don't have depth and that. I don't know, obviously, how much Ralph is involved with those kind of things, but you've got to you've got to look at the club for really not giving him the support. And you know, players like Jan Valerie going on loan to Birmingham, your right back's getting injured. I don't think you can. It's, I know on paper it's easy to question his tactics and say he's not thinking it through, but what do you do if Carl Walker gets injured? I'm just thinking, Carl Walker mm-hmm. is. I'm just, well, I'm just thinking now. I'm putting it to well, you. What's, let's, what's the let's other talk option? About it then. Let's talk about it because after the game, Ralph's confirmed the hamstring injury for Carl Walker-Peters uh, and described it as not good. What do you do now with Chelsea up next in six days' time? Obviously, we just said he brought Salisu on and went three at the back. I'd be shocked if we went three at the back from the start against Chelsea. The other option is Ramsey, Kane Ramsey at right back. Mm. Um, uh, beyond that, I mean... Not sure. I haven't had an update on Diallo. I don't think he'll be back in time. Because no. you, could, you could think about James Ward-Prowse at right back, but with no other options in midfield, you can't do that. So, I mean, Ramsey, I think, is the, is the play. What do you think? I think there needs to be quite a big change up for that Chelsea game. I think Salisu should start, in my opinion. I think the centre-backs have not been... They were brilliant at the start of the season, but at the moment, Bednarak's looking shaky. Vestergaard's looking shaky. I'd probably play Vestergaard and Salisu. 
and not play Bednarak. I think he's played too much football and he's making mistakes that he wasn't making before. And I potentially play Fraser Forster. I think why not change it up? We're in an awful run and it's going to keep getting worse, in my opinion, if we don't change a bit of the personnel. Pedro Neto's goal was brilliant, but Vestergaard got absolutely done and it was a near post. You know, you got you want your keeper to cover that. Yeah. I think it wasn't a brilliant finish to put it in the far post. So I think there's mistakes defensively that need to be rectified. And I think I'd play Salisu, Fraser Forster. And in terms of the right back position, Kane Ramsey wasn't on the bench today, mm. which, you know, isn't isn't great. But if he's fit, I think Saints fans are kind of saying, oh, he's the right back playing. But there must be a reason why he's not in contention. We haven't seen too much of him, but there must be a reason why he's not playing. We haven't seen too much of him. When we did, when we, did we lost 9-0. Not putting the blame on him for that, obviously. But like you said, I think there's reasons why we're not seeing him. But I would prefer, again, it might be stupid because like you said, he played in the 9-0, but I prefer to see him play Jack Stevens at right back because yeah, I don't like Jack I Stevens at right back at all. But yeah, it's difficult. It's really difficult. And it just highlights the awful transfer window that we had of not bringing in a right back. One of the changes that he did make... Um, well, it has seemed to make in, re- in in recent weeks, and we discussed it on first on the Thursday pod after the Wolves FA Cup game. Was he brought Redmond in there and played him up front alongside Ings? And we had a discussion on that podcast about do we think that Ralph genuinely sees Redmond as an option alongside Ings, or is he just doing it so he could give Adams a rest? We got the answer today because Adams again was on the bench, and Ralph went with Ings and Redmond up front. What did you make of that decision and Redmond's performance? I, mean, I think Ralph has got to make those changes at the moment because you can see Shea Adams come on the pitch and he's not a striker that's bearing his chances. The header that he had, he got it all wrong. You want your striker to be more clinical in front of goal because that was a brilliant ball in from Redmond and he's got that completely wrong. So I was surprised to see Redmond start today, but looking back on it, and when I see more and more of Shea Adams, he's just not himself. And I think his confidence is very low at the moment. Redmond was the Nathan Redmond that every Southampton fan knows, really inconsistent, some very bright bits and good touches, but in the key moments, he let us down. And again, we're talking after a 2-1 defeat, but it could have been different because in that first half, we did have chances to go 2-0 up or, you know, potentially 3-0 up. I'm not saying that would have changed things because we've, we've, we've lost those leads we've, before. We've folded we've that, like a pack of cards before. So we've yeah, folded like a pack of cards. Obviously. Exactly. But I think we could have put ourselves in a more comfortable lead. But yeah, it's 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 a shame because Sheridan's had a brilliant start to the season, but he, he has fallen off and we need Danny to step up to the plate now and start putting the goals away that he was putting last season. And what a finish it was today. Fair play to him. It was an unbelievable finish. It reminded me of the Matt, Lout- Matt Lowton one. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw that Burnley Palace. That was a fantastic goal as well. And yeah, one for the volley purist because that Danny Ings hit was was spectacular. Um, one thing I would say in defence of Ralph was the Armstrong substitution. I saw a few people questioning that because I think he came off around the 68, 69 minute mark. He was our, one, again, he was our best player probably on Thursday. And again today on Sunday, he was very, very bright, set up a goal for Ings. He came off around 68, 69 minutes with Adams coming on. On, like, on the face of it, you think um, we're, we're chasing a goal here. We need our best players on the pitch. But I would just point out that before the game in his press conference, Ralph said um, for Armstrong, it's always a little bit of a problem to have so many games in a week. He was injured before. We must really look after him to make sure that he stays fit. 
So in Ralph's defence there, I think that's a sensible decision because we've we've just picked up so many muscle injuries and as amazing as it would be, well, as good as it would be to have Armstrong on the pitch there, the thought of him picking up a, uh, another muscle injury because we've left on, on the pitch for 15, 20 minutes too long, it doesn't really bear thinking about. No, yeah, exactly. We saw we saw Walker Peters come off injured and that's an absolute disaster. And if it was Stuart Armstrong as well, then that right-hand side would be completely decimated. So he had to make those kind of calls. And it was disappointing because he has been our best player of late and mm-hmm. he drives with the ball, brilliant drive down the left-hand side for our goal. But again, we're in a situation where we have to manage players. It's the same with Vestergaard. We can't keep playing him, I don't think, because I don't think he's fully fit. He doesn't look fully fit, in my opinion. So we've got to manage players like that. So coming on to uh, looking ahead to our next game then, Chelsea at St Mary's on Saturday, followed by Leeds away on the Tuesday. We've kind of discussed it, but expecting Walker-Peters to be out, what changes do you want to see made? You've already mentioned one being Fraser Forster coming in. Any others? And one name I did want to throw out there because he was very, very good when he came on against Wolves in the FA Cup was Nathan Teller. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, like I said before, I'd start Fraser Forster and Salisu. Interesting to hear the listeners' view on that. I think maybe it's a bit reactionary, but I think we do need to change it up. Um, Nathan Teller, surprised that he didn't get on the pitch today because, like you said, he was very, very bright against Wolves when he came on and set up the second goal. Um, it'll be such a difficult game because Tuchel's come in there and he seems to have shored them up massively at, at the back and he's done what a lot of managers do and kind of come in and steady the ship defensively and it might affects them going forward and they're not scoring too many goals but they're very very difficult to break down it'll be a tough test for us to get some goals there um yeah I think we've got Kane Ramsey right back in my opinion if he's fit the the thing is like like you said the fact that they've made themselves tougher to break down they have so much quality in attacking areas that they don't really need to create too much to score especially the way that we're defending recently which worries me um, I don't want to get too negative about it six days from the game, but Tuchel has come in there and if they're not conceding goals, it scares me a little bit to think about who is going to be going up against Ramsey and yeah. Bertrand and whoever he plays at the back, whether it's Salah to Investigard or Benarak Investigard, um, because they have so much quality in attacking areas that it's only a matter of time before they get that right, whether it's um, Werner, Havertz, Hudson Adoy, Abraham, Zayic, Mount. They have yeah. a lot of quality there. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's going to be a very, very difficult game. Um, so so yeah, I I would I would agree with you. I there's no harm in now. We've lost six straight, club records gone. <laughs> so why not why not change it? Why not mix it up? I probably I probably would stick with Ings and in Ings and Redmond up front. Mm-hmm. Uh Rather than Adams, I think I agree with you. Adams does just look off it. And he's kind of emblematic a little bit of like Saints. It seems to be like brittle confidence among Saints players. That when he's when he's on it, he looks good and he looks sharp. When the goals are going in for him, it's all great. But when things are going bad for him, mm. he doesn't look like a Premier League player. And I think that happens for several players in this team that when things start to go wrong for them, they they don't have that ability to, to turn it around because that goes both ways as well, really. It goes for like conceding goals, but it also goes for scoring goals. 
because when we start conceding, we look like we're going to fold. And when we go behind, we don't look like we're going to get back into it. Mm. Um, so yeah, difficult, difficult times ahead. Uh, I thank God we, we won on Thursday. That's all I'll say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for that Chelsea game, it's, it might sound a bit negative, but I, I don't see us getting any points against Chelsea. I think they'll be too strong for us. And the deck games don't get much easier today. I think we've got Leeds and Everton after that. But yeah. I just want to see a little bit of fight from this team. That's what yeah. I want to see. I think the team's lacking a bit of character and a little bit of strength in there. And like you said, we're going, we're, we're just dropping our heads when we concede. And I think that's why I put more of the blame on the players rather than Ralph, because he is making mistakes. I don't think his substitutions are great. And I think, like you said, his, his plan B is not as effective. But when the players are just, I don't think they're given enough and I don't think there's enough leadership on that pitch. Yeah. All right. Well, not the most positive of Sunday <laughs> afternoon conversations, Not unfortunately. Um, and I hope you're wrong on, on Saturday as far as the Chelsea game goes. Obviously, at this stage, I would 100% take a point from that game. Just stop the run of defeats um, before going to Leeds, which won't be easy, and then Everton. The games after that do slightly, the fixture slightly eases up um, and we've got kind of a, a few more, much more winnable games. But we just need to stop this run of defeats now. Um, Thankfully, no midweek game this week. I've kind of suffering a little bit of burnout on this podcast at the moment with all these midweek games. Yeah, I think Ralph needs a week on the training pitch to sort out to sort out this team. It's just such a shame that Walker Peters is out because well, I'd feel a little bit more confident going into that Chelsea game. But yeah, we definitely needed a break. They're coming too thick and fast, and we're losing too many games. Too thick and fast for the players. Too thick and fast for us. So let's have a week. Let's take a breather and let's regroup next weekend. Oh, one thing I would say actually, just before we go. Don't forget to check out our newsletter going out midweek, Tuesday or Wednesday. It's called Games Gone. There's lots of Games Gone content today. The game is gone as far as VAR is concerned. <laughs> it, it left a long, long time ago. Um, so yeah, don't forget to check out our newsletter. We will tweet a link to it and it will be included with our podcast link that will be out on Monday morning. So just head to our Twitter page and take a look at our tweets. You'll see a link there to sign up for our newsletter. Bang your email in there. And you'll get uh, a nice little email on Tuesday or Wednesday landing in your inbox with Saints FC content uh, and a few other bits and pieces from the football world that have caught our eye. So yeah, don't forget to check out our newsletter and, and let us know what you think. Um, hit reply and um, we'd, love to, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Thank you very much for listening. And now, now we can officially go, Jack. I just needed to get that in before, before we go. Fair enough. Sign up to the newsletter. You won't regret it. See you later, mate. See ya.